you're listening to episode two of Eight Minute Movies, Knives Eight, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in eight minute chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains spoilers for Knives Out, so you should watch it first before listening and definitely start with episode one. That's the new intro, Peter. Did you like it? Yeah, it sort of means that we don't need to be responsible anymore for explaining the whole thing. Just tell them to go back and listen to episode one and we're good. Yeah, it's it is it is. Uh, are there other sequential podcasts? I suppose. I suppose many. I, I don't think we're break, breaking new ground. Um, I don't in, think we can patent in, it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh no, maybe we can trademark it, like like React videos or like those guys tried. Do you remember that? Like fifteen years ago or whatever, they tried to patent React videos, and everyone was like, "No." Yeah, that went poorly. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is what I remember. <laughs> How how are you doing, Peter? How are you how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Yes, uh, I I have a, a topic to talk about, and I think it's the same topic that you have to talk about as well. Ooh, ooh. Um, oh, I'm I'm excited uh, because shall, shall we say our topics at the same time? All right, all right. Three, two, one. Power simulator. Up. Oh. 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 Um okay. Um oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. No, we can talk about two things. That's allowed. I've I've checked. All right. Uh so the reason that I thought you might have the same thing is because uh I'm going to talk about a game that we played together. Yes, we we were playing the game together because it's a mandatory two-player co-op game. Um so you need a buddy. Yes, so it's called A Way Out. It came out a few years ago now, I would have thought. Uh, And it is about, well, it is at least initially about trying to break out of prison with a buddy that you meet in prison. Yeah, it's set in 1978 and you play one of two extremely stereotypical 1978 American prisoners. Yeah, Uh, I mean... (laughs) One thing that you have to understand and kind of accept going into this game is that it's gonna have all the cliches. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I loved it. I I was I described it as basically like bad boys to the game. Um. <laughs> yeah, it 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 leaves me conflicted because in in some ways I feel like I should. Uh, poor scorn on it for having <laughs> for being so cliched as it is, uh, and yet I don't know that I would have enjoyed it as much uh, as I did if it hadn't been so kind of on the nose with its writing and and so mm. uh, so corny in a lot of ways. Here is where you will display emotion, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, as usual, you've picked an excellent game for us to talk about on the podcast because um, starting about twenty minutes in, it's really spoilerific. Um, so, yeah, well, I don't think it's too spoilery to say that uh, you're trying to break out of prison, mm-hmm. and at some point in the game, you break out of prison, and then some more stuff happens. Mm, and then and then those those prison guys they keep trying to put you back in prison yeah those pesky cops mm. they they're all a little bit angry that you broke out of their prison and they want you to not be out of prison anymore <laughs> uh, uh while you're trying to trying to get revenge on harvey mm. Mm, the Oy. mysterious harvey who's yeah. a, a big criminal He's he's a he's Harvey's a bad man, mm. real bad man. Um, yeah, it's real interesting because it's um, a lot of it is basically just sort of like quick time events. Um, but they've tried to um, one of the things they tried to do is not reuse mechanics. So if you do one thing in the game, it, you probably won't be doing that thing, that specific thing again later. Um, but I was particularly thrilled with a with a bit where it t- it suddenly turned into Streets of Rage, a side-scrolling two D beat 'em up. 
Yes, uh, it does sort of do that, doesn't it? And uh, mm. the, I would say the the various modes that it goes into are uh, some are better, some are worse. There was a whole rowing situation <laughs> that you get, get in on some rapids that uh, is what was frustrating we were not good at it at no. all but fortunately the game is very forgiving about checkpoints yeah so. it, it, and it's pretty forgiving in general so you yeah. can make a lot of mistakes and still be okay a, lo- a lot of the time the game reminded me a lot of heavy rain um which was a ps3 game from oh i don't know ten thousand years ago now or whatever um and that that's a Quantic Dream game by yeah. David Cage. So I, I I know what you mean, and I think the difference for me with this one, and I think why why this ultimately worked better for me is that I think I genuinely wish that Heavy Rain was written better than oh, it is. Yeah, um, uh, I, I was going to say I was going to interject that that the difference between this and Heavy Rain is that this had a script that was reviewed by a human being at some right. point. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I I really do wish that uh, mm-hmm. that Heavy Rain was was written better, but this one, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's Shakespeare, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it it gets at what it's trying to do uh the one thing that i want to bring up uh, the the worst part of the writing for me and this is such a nitpick but mm. it, it just uh uh occurred to me constantly throughout this entire game is that so the characters are called uh leo and vincent mm. and in in my opinion <laughs> leo looks like a vincent and and vincent looks like a leo <laughs> wow uh, uh, that's your biggest complaint about the game is that subjectively their names seem a little <laughs> a little wrong what the, it's, would, it, it's the whole kiki booba situation again it is, is it right yeah the, um like he Vin- looks like the platonic Vincent. <laughs> Vincent is kind of a pointy name, and <laughs> uh, and uh, like uh, Leo has a kind of pointy look to him, while <laughs> while Vincent has leonine features, <laughs> which you might <laughs> expect someone called Leo uh, to have. Oh God, uh, listeners, feel free to write in uh, about that. <laughs> um well i think i think the thing that that sort of like makes me kind of love this game is the fact that um you are you know it is a desperate situation you are two wanted men who have broken out of prison and are like on the run from the police who are chasing you and like keep catching up with you but also you there's hundreds of baffling little mini games where you can just do things that, that don't further the plot but just there to entertain you like um you can try on a selection of fancy hats yes uh you can you can play the banjo um you can throw darts you can play grenade brothers a really weird arcade game that they built into the game yes or just some connect for oh yeah oh no don't you fucking talk to me about that connect for you 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 fucking cheated you won because my controller is slightly dodgy and it it goes too far like in the direction you press sometimes that's why you won Uh, i had about three other ways i was gonna win in that game (laughs) lined up fuck you you're not you're not the chess master here (laughs) oh boys playing connect for 12 moves ahead Listen, uh, my nephew has got pretty good at Connect Four, and sometimes I have to play him. I've had to up my game recently. Peter, you're supposed to let the children win. No, 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 because because he's very cocky about his Connect Four skills, and I can't let that stand. Oh, you're that uncle. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh jeez. Um <laughs> uh and the other thing that we should get into about this probably does come with a bit of a spoiler warning. So if you don't want to, if you don't want to know anything about how this game ends, 
then I would say skip ahead a few minutes and we'll probably be good by that point. <laughs> wow, you're just, you're just bald-facedly relating the ending. Okay, fine. Um, well, I think it's important to talk about how, uh, and spoilers start from now, so skip ahead if you, if you want to. Uh, at the end, there's a twist which... Uh, ends up with Leo and uh, Vincent coming into conflict with each other and basically having some sort of showdown. Only one can survive. Oh, I've just worked out why you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in, in this particular instance, uh, Kieran managed to kill me. I was playing, uh, wait, Leo. Mm. I had to think about it because yeah. their names are wrong. Um, <laughs> I was playing Leo, uh, so uh, Vincent triumphed in this particular instance, and after we'd watched all of the endings and everything, and everything happened, <laughs> you you giggled about having to kill me for what I would say is like a, a solid ten or fifteen minutes afterwards. It just tickled me. You just uncontrollably giggled about it. Look, he's, he's off again. <laughs> um, I um, I I I think my favorite thing about it was um, downloading the ending from YouTube and editing it and sending it to you with uh, you know, shot through the heart by Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, they did that as well. <laughs> Just took the time to do that. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Oh dear. <laughs> this is the sick mind we are dealing with. Do you know why I killed you? Uh, because you cheated at Connect Four. <laughs> I was going to say because there doesn't appear to be a way out of doing that in the in the game <laughs> script. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you know, you could have could have could have done the uh, the thing from War Games. You know, you know, what a curious game. The only way to win is not to play. Uh, we just both agreed to quit, not watch <laughs> yeah, the ending. End end the game and go, maybe they maybe they continued on in a life of crime elsewhere. Mm. In in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing crimes in heaven now, Ma. <laughs> oh Christ. Um Alright. Well that's enough of that game. Mm. Do you wanna talk about your thing? I yeah I I I think that I'm not uh, I'm not talking to you and the audience about a game I'm requesting an intervention because mm. uh, um because I picked up Power Washing Simulator hang on, I'm just gonna check the name I think it's yeah oh it's Power Wash Simulator okay, okay. right and um the whole game has come about because I assume you've seen those like really satisfying videos of people using power washers to clean dirty things. Yes. It's like the game version of that. Um, and it's, uh, I, but I don't know why I have uh, at this point, I've played it for 26 hours, which is like over a full day of, um, squirting virtual water on virtual objects which then become clean i i think the key it's it's like some sort of dopamine center stimulator (laughs) that's that's a better name for it you uh you clean a thing and when the thing like the game breaks the objects you're cleaning up into like hundreds of individual parts right and it'll it'll help you find parts that aren't clean yet if you are still looking for them um but when a part is sufficiently clean, uh, the game goes ping, and like it just pops into like perfect cleanliness, and you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it sounds. I've, I have seen a little bit of footage of this yeah. game, and it sounds. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of House Flipper as well. Mm, yeah, is... I, I've I've heard that comparison. The House Flipper is actually a game in my Steam library that I've been meaning to get around to for well, four years or whatever, but not played it. I think it would probably please you in similar ways because uh, <laughs> yeah. usually the first stages of uh, uh, of House Flipper is just cleaning up all of the mess in this house <laughs> and just making it look acceptable again, and then you can do whatever else that you like to it to turn it into a proper proper old house. Look, 
Peter, it is the year of our Lord 2022, and uh, I spent three and a half hours of actual real time scrubbing a virtual toilet. Um, <laughs> this, this, this is a genuine cry for help. I'm sure you were pleased to. I, well, <laughs> when we were having a walk around the other oh, day. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, no, this is another thing. <laughs> can, can, I, can I tell this bit? <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> So we were walking through the grounds of the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich, um, and um, I, I I saw they've got a building there that's like been half cleaned. It's very dirty on one side, in the same way the buildings in Power Washing Simulator are very dirty. And I looked at it, and my brain went, "Finish power washing that, and you will receive serotonin." I'm like, "What? No, what? What is happening?" What oh. I'm hearing is that you want to clean my flat. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. The only thing the power washing simulator doesn't simulate uh, is the fact that when you're finished power washing stuff, everything is fu- fucking soaking wet and yeah. uh, will probably go rotten immediately because you've forced tons of water into it. Also, uh, you power wash roofs in the game and you're not supposed to power wash roofs. That's, mm. that's your useful fact for this podcast. Uh, Peter, uh, come up with a jingle for useful fact for this podcast. That's a note for you. Okay. Yeah, I'll put that in. I'll, I'll put that in in post. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should probably check with our washing specialist to understand <laughs> if power washing is it's right correct. for whatever object that you're trying to wash. I um, two two other things about this. Um, the other day. I cleaned my barbecue with a hose, and I was like, mm, "Yeah, it hits all all the same notes." <laughs> I could have sworn I heard that fucking ping because I was like, like, cleaning different bits of it. Um. Oh yeah, and the other thing is, it's it's just a sort of generally fun game because obviously, like you know, that's I guess that's kind of a weak mechanic. It's obviously a strong mechanic. I don't know why I said that because you know it's hooked me in for like. 24 full hours of my life where I could have been, you know, building a rocket or curing cancer or something, but, uh, or cleaning an actual building. Um, but, um, that digression aside, um, they've sort of wrapped it in this fun little world where, um, people are always texting you like new jobs and, um, increasingly baroque and insane reasons for why everything in the town is filthy as fuck. Um, <laughs> there's some sort of filth apocalypse. Um at one point there's a mud tornado. Mm. Um I don't I don't really want to say too much more because I think I think I've reached a plot twist. Mm, spoilers. Also, um the power washing man has no morals and will work for anyone, even for someone who I'm going to go ahead and say I think is an evil genius. <laughs> All right. How much blood have you power washed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at liberty to discuss that. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> he, he's he's just really. Really dedicated to his job. He just really enjoys power washing things. As do I vicariously, I guess. Well, it sounds like I might have to uh, check it out. It it sounds like a good podcast (laughs) game to me. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Anytime I'm doing something else, I'm just like a little... Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the end of this movie, but maybe... Maybe I could clean that building at the same time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, God. Let's let's move on. We're so far into this podcast. I suppose we should talk about Knives Out or whatever. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, this podcast is a podcast where we have broken the movie up into little eight-minute chunks, and we're going to talk about each of them chunks. Uh, and because of the linear nature of time, you should listen to the first one first, because this is the second one. And if you start the second one, that's not good. <sighs> uh, 
um, we also have a, a strange little game we play where um, if someone says the word thing or out, out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in certain contexts, they get to hear this bell go ding like that. And um, that's bad. If you want the full rules, uh, send me a stamped addressed envelope. Um, oh God, I've just realized that um, for unrelated reasons, I opened a PO box recently. We could, we could accept mail from the listeners. <laughs> God, <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, incredibly concerned. <laughs> what, what would they send us? <laughs> Nothing good. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I get paid by uh, the size of the object that arrives, so someone's going to send us a fucking washing machine or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part of the podcast that we call Let's Not Talk About The Thing for historic reasons. Um, and wh- what do you want to hear about today, Peter? I've never, I've never offered you a choice before. That was a terrible mistake. Um, speak. Um, l- let me guess. Ryan Johnson? Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Ana de Armas, who plays Marta Cabrera. Okay. Yeah. You were close, though. I think we're talking about him next week. Uh, Ana de Armas, born on 30th of April 1988, is a Cuban and Spanish actress. She began her career in her home country of Cuba and had a leading role in the romantic drama Una Rosa de Francia. At the age of 18, she moved to Madrid in Spain to pursue an acting career and starred in the popular teen drama El Internado for six seasons from 2007 to 2010. As a teenager, she had no internet access and had limited knowledge of popular culture beyond Cuba. She was allowed to watch 20 minutes of cartoons on Saturday and the Sunday movie matinee, and her family did not own a video or DVD player, and she watched Hollywood movies in her neighbor's apartment. Uh, my note here says it sounds like your upbringing, Peter. <laughs> um, I like I like that I've formalized my throwing shade of you into my own notes. <laughs> I just watched films that were appropriate for my age. <laughs> yeah, whenever you were released from, you know, Plato's cave or whatever. <laughs> like I think I've explained before, I, I saw things like the cover uh, for it in the video shop and thought no this is not for me <laughs> a young child <laughs> uh, i think i think we've covered the fact that uh that a, a man in a white van would drive hundreds of pirated videotapes up to my house each week and i could select as many as i wanted for like a tenner um, <laughs> and that man that that man's morals did not extend to checking that I was eighteen on all of the films that I watched. Yeah, also did power washing. I think. <laughs> um, Anna de Armas memorized and practiced monologues in front of the mirror, and decided to become an actress when she was twelve. In two thousand and two, age fourteen, she successfully auditioned to join Havana's National Theatre of Cuba. After moving to Los Angeles, De Armas had English-speaking roles in the thriller Knock Knock and the comedy crime film War Dogs, and had a supporting role in the sports biopic Hands of Stone. She rose to prominence with her role as a holographic AI projection in the science fiction film Blade Runner 2049. For her performance as Nurse Marta Cabrera in the mystery film Knives Out, that's the one one we're talking about, De Armas was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical and won the Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actress. That's, um, it's just pointing out, she's like the lead. (laughs) I would say she's a lead, definitely. Yeah, okay, fine. Also, again, that comedy or musical category. Yeah. I assume it's a high honor to receive one of these, but it feels a little bit dismissive. <laughs> yeah. Comedy also, or musical or whatever. <laughs> also, I'm just not sure that Knives Out is a comedy or a musical. It's got funny bits in it, but I wouldn't describe it as a comedy. Uh, it, it, it is it is a comedy mystery film, but yeah. like it light on the comedy. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, also, there's a song in the middle, so I guess it's a musical. I guess there is. <laughs> it's actually a song from a musical as well, so well, there you go. 
Um, okay, Ooh, another podcast section now, um, where I answer your questions from the previous episode. Do you remember your questions from the previous episode? Uh, no, you'll have to remind me. You wanted to know what the title of some of the books in Harlan's uh, library were, the ones that um, the production designer had to basically whip up because um, Harlan Thromby isn't a real person. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> I proceed. Don't, don't know why I had to explain that. I mean, you should understand the concept of movies by now. We've done three of these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some of the ones we've got are The Wrong Tree, Nick of Time, The Badger, The Keeper, Ultimatum, Homunculus, and uh, three which are kind of connected to the plot of Knives Out. There's a a drop in the bucket, which uh, is something that um, something that Marta will get up to later. Um, and uh, this little piggy and the needle game. Uh, yeah, we see. Oh, they foreshadow things that happen. Ooh, so if you've yeah. got your if you've got your eyes on, that's a thing. You can uh, you, you you can predict the entire plot by reading two random books. No, where am I going with this? <laughs> I don't know. I give up. And um, and with that, it is time for us to start watching the thing. Let's review your answers to my questions. From the previous episode. Okay, you can enunciate a little less, like 20% less. <laughs> <clears throat> so we had, if you were seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer and how did they do it? And you said Linda with a knife. <laughs> yes. Because uh, mm, she's a little bit cocky when um, uh, when the policeman expressed condolences for her father dying. She's like, oh, thank you. That means a lot. And it's, it's mm. uh, somewhat insincere. And uh, and you said, what happens next? Uh, we interview Walt, and when the third piano key is played, someone asks who Blanc is, and he's introduced. So, yeah, yeah, you did good. Well done. I'm very pleased with my performance here, because we almost immediately get into Walt territory. Now. Yeah, yeah he, is, he is just introduced. Mm. Yeah, all right. So let's, let's watch and detail these eight minutes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this is 8 minutes to 16 minutes of Knives Out. We cut to Walt Thromby, Harlan's youngest son, being introduced. Um, this, because of the way we cut it, this immediately ends after the uh, self-made overachievers comment on it. Mm -hmm. um, so um, let's see if Walt is going to, you know, add up to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but also, I, I just wanted to put in that we cut it in the middle of the word so he just starts by saying Cheevers and that's a funny Cheevers. word. Sometimes this podcast isn't as cerebral as <laughs> as yeah. I would like to pretend it was. And when you say sometimes, you of course mean all the time. <laughs> fuck, fuck you you connect for cheating bastard. <laughs> Go on, say, say Cheevers say Cheevers, it's fun. Cheevers. Cheevers. Listeners at home say Cheevers. Oh fuck, remind me to look up if Cheevers is a thing on Urban Dictionary. Now that we've all said Cheevers, shall we move on to the next point? Oh, hang on. I'm going to look it up on Urban Dictionary. Okay. Listeners, you shouldn't have been saying Cheevers. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, <laughs> um, Walt says it's the family's publishing company, and his dad trusts him to run it. And that's, uh, that's loaded language. Yes, mm. a lot of loaded <laughs> in, in this whole <laughs> section. Uh, he asks them if they're fans, and Elliot is not, but Wagner gushes about the plots. I think um, Wagner is very entertaining as a character. Oh yeah, he, he's he's brilliant. <laughs> um, he's played by Noah Egan, who's who's um, like a close friend of uh, Ryan Johnson's. Um, they they met while they were filming Brick, um, his movie from two thousand and five. Yeah. And uh, have, he tries to sort of slip him into every movie. Uh, they they were saying that um, he, he's just a, a a supporting character in this. Like he's he's like a got a bit part role, but um, he, he's really not. And like uh, towards the end, Daniel Craig like was watching a um cut. He's like, No Secret is in a lot of this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, I mean, 
he can't contain his enthusiasm and it's very good yeah it, it, it is it is adorable uh i was saying my notes here say every time wagner is excited about something watch elliot's face for a real treat mm, yeah. <laughs> lucky stanfield boy can do some real good expressions <laughs> <laughs> um Walt says that Harlan says that the plots of his mystery novels popped into his head fully formed and it was easy for him to write, which is foreshadowing how he thinks up the whole plot for Marta to get away with his murder in one go. Mm. I think that's the first time we've uh, alluded to who done a crime. Yeah. 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 Uh, we said there'd be spoilers, and there were. <laughs> there were. Yeah, well, there, uh, were, there were. At that point that the piano plays again, so maybe that's related to that point. Yeah. Mm. The piano plays again, and Elliot asks if they all arrived at the same time. So this is the this is the thing that the piano key is uh, triggering, is every time Blanc hits the key, Elliot asks what time they all arrived. Oh, right, okay. I thought it was in response to what was just said. Mm. No, I think he's he's just trying to get him back on topic. Which, right. um, to be honest, if I was a professional police detective, I would find annoying. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, I know how to do my job, buddy. But okay, fine. <laughs> mm. Um, in a flashback, we see Walt and his wife Donna arrive. She seems extremely nervous. Uh, mm. yeah. Um, do you know why she's extremely nervous? Uh, oh, I can't recall. Um, no, that you, you wouldn't know. It's not followed up on, except in some deleted scenes. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, which right. we which we will talk about at the at the appropriate time, listeners. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Tell me about that sometime. That's that's some that's some hashtag weight bait right there. Do you do you remember bring weight? Bring, bring, do you remember weight back, weight bait? Yeah. We're sticking with it. We're trying we, to make it a thing. Well, it's like aud- audible clickbait. Mm. <laughs> or, I guess the word for that is. Maybe foreshadowing, um, but foreshadowing feels too, you know, good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, we also see his son Jacob sitting on the stairs on his phone. Walt describes his son as very politically active, and we cut to Richard saying that he's literally a Nazi. <laughs> uh. We cut to Meg saying that he's an alt-right troll dipshit. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Thromby here, who's played by Jaden Martell, is always on his phone whenever he's seen. Right. Um, and the character was strongly influenced by those Star Wars fans who complained about The Last Jedi, which was written <laughs> by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> uh, I've got some Last Jedi material that we'll maybe talk about when we talk about Ryan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to Walk saying... Kids today with the internet, it's amazing. <laughs> Does he? I don't know whether I, he just has no concept of how much of a shit his son is, or whether he's willfully ignoring it. But there, there's something very real about this kind of response. Yeah, dis- dismissing this whole terrible trend and just kind of boiling it down with, "Whoa, aren't kids cool with the internet nowadays?" Uh, yeah, I I think Walt knows that his son is a complete bellend, um, <laughs> and um, as we'll see of Walt's character, he's he's not very confrontational, uh, except when he is. He added lamely. Um, I know what you mean, though, right? Yeah, um, he, he comes across as uh, he's very being, passive, being quite passive, but he can also <clears throat> be kind of threatening. Yeah, when his when his back is to the wall, he yeah. will he will do what he has to do. But um, in situations like this, like you know, step up and be a father. <laughs> not going to no. do anything about it, right? Uh, uh, Walt says he was happy to have that night with Harlan. In a flashback, Harlan receives his cake, but this time it's Walt and Donna and Jacob around him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really think that I um <clears throat> I picked up on this detail of this shot being kind of redone with the different people standing behind, standing around him uh, until you pointed that out to me last time. No, and it happens a, a lot. There's um there's another long sequence where um characters 
change what they think is happening based on uh you know who's saying what and i, I think it's really well done i'd say yeah. i've got I, I like that we're seeing both the the fallibility of memory because um you know human memory is confabulational you know you don't remember shit you remember you don't remember exactly what happened you remember vague things which then become sort of stereotyped things and then your memory is completely different from the actual events mm. <laughs> um which will come up again later um but also this thing shows that each little branch of the family is extremely self-centered <laughs> right <laughs> We cut to a title card intro of Joni Thromby, the wife of Neil, Harlan's son, who died 15 years ago. When asked if she was close to the Thrombies, she sighs and she says they're her family. In a flashback, we see her dancing and trying to get Linda to dance with her with increasing dismissal and irritation. <laughs> right, so here we're not really getting her view of the events, we're getting more <laughs> kind of reality. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, when, when I say increasing dismissal and irritation, Linda doesn't even look at Joni while, right, she while she's trying to drag her out of the chair to dance. She has no intention of getting involved with this bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Tony Collette, who played Joni, picked the song being played here, which is uh, More Than This by Roxy Music, uh, which uh, they then had to pay to clear. <laughs> um. They talk about Flan, her skincare company. It promotes oh. a... <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It promotes a total lifestyle, self-sufficiency with an acknowledgement of human need. Oh, boy, that line is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it, uh, is it Flan or Flam? I thought it was Flam. Um, I, I'm not sure. I've written Flan, but it might yeah. be Flam. Um, yeah. I, I'll check and get back to you later. Thank you. Okay, I've written flan or flam in my notes, which in a day or so I'll look at in confusion and close. Um. <laughs> You'll assume it's another game that you've invented for me. <laughs> Peter, this week we're playing flan or flam. Uh, um, they, they get Joni's character so right in this movie. She's exactly that sort of stereotypical like california uh, she's a parody of gwyneth paltrow <laughs> like yeah. um I, like flat flan or flam is a parody of goop which is gwyneth paltrow's lifestyle brand and you already know enough about mm. the family to know that they must be fed up with her hanging around <laughs> um yeah yeah uh, but but she apparently uh, nailed this, this, you know, the attitude and the way that uh, that Joni talks. Uh, she went in and did like, um, like a read for it, and they were like, "Yep, no, that's fine." And she was, she thought she'd been fired because they were like, "Yeah, first take, perfect, okay, great." <laughs> yeah, because normally, normally you have to go back and do a few more, but she like they were just like on the first one, they were like, "Yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> that's it, you got it, well done." <laughs> Uh, flan or flam would be explored a little bit more in a deleted scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and we will be talking about it later. Great. Um, actually, it's the only possible legitimate um, answer to the question, uh, who's infected in this whole movie? <laughs> okay, I'm yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you haven't seen the deleted scenes, so there's no point in me asking you that question, is there? Yeah, I do not believe I've seen them. No. You'll you'll just keep saying flan or flam in confusion. <laughs> mm. A title card now introduces Meg, Joni's daughter. Uh, Meg's shirt is a stylized anatomical diagram of a vagina, which nobody caught on to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I certainly didn't. Yeah, you don't notice until somebody points it out and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think part of submitting movies for uh, like censorship and rating is hoping they don't notice some stuff. Cool. <laughs> Meg explains that Harlan gives her mother a yearly allowance and also pays for her tuition. She says Harlan is a very selfless man. In a flashback, we see that she left the party early to go and see some friends. 
Linda grumpily explains Harlan pays for her degree, so she should at least stay for the cake. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit selfish to leave your grandfather's 85th birthday party early to go and see friends. But uh, I think that's showing that Meg is not necessarily as... Like we mentioned earlier, she's the nicest of the thrombies, probably, but um, then still... Yeah, she's a, very she, self-centered. She's a little uh, less embedded in the, I, I guess, thromby cult <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of family weirdness. We cut back to Joni, who explains that Harlan understood, and um, from what we see of him, you know, in flashbacks legendary, he does seem like he gets it. Um, he he he's very lenient with his kids and uh grandkids i forgot the word for di- more kid <laughs> I, I he doesn't seem like the sort of person who's going to give a shit if someone wants to leave a party a little bit early yeah no again the piano dings and elliot starts to ask if they arrived at the same time but joni interrupts to ask who the piano man is so yeah, the third time, just as I said. In the script for this, uh, instead of playing the piano, uh, Benoit Blanc was supposed to tap the back of Elliot's chair with his foot. Uh, but when they got on set, they realized that they couldn't set that up visually and have Blanc sort of hidden in shadow. He'd be literally right there. And also they discovered there was a piano. So they were like, yes, okay, this is good. This works. Um. I'm going to read this because I wrote it and it may be contentious. What note is he playing, Peter? Uh, I didn't check to see whether it was the same note as last time, but if it is, it is an A. Uh, it's an F. That's what I've got written down. <laughs> Still an A. Um, the, the piano features no more in this, so there will be no more. Listeners, if you know what a piano is, write in. Uh, these ones might have been Fs. I didn't check, but uh, the oh. first one was definitely an A. Oh, now now we're getting the revisionist history on uh, on what note was played. Um, and here's we've mentioned this before, but every time he hits the piano key, he's getting Elliot to ask whoever's being interviewed what time they arrived at the party. Mm. We cut to Walt, who asks if they think Harlan was murdered, and he becomes fairly agitated. We cut to Richard now, who asks again who the third man is. And he's introduced finally as Benoit Blanc, a private investigator of great renown. Each of the family reacts to this. Uh, Richard seems surprised. Joni remembers him from a tweet about a New Yorker article, calling him the last of the gentleman sleuths. Linda actually read the New Yorker article and found it delightful, but wants to know why he's there. And Joni remembers that he famously solved a case involving a tennis champ, which again is a homage to 1972's Sleuth. Mm. At the beginning of Sleuth, the novel he's dictating is called Death by Double Faults. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Blanc speaks. He's here at the behest of a client. He cannot say who, but he's just there to be a passive observer of the truth. Yeah, Blanc speaks with that accent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, it sure is something, isn't it? I love it. <laughs> uh, in the script, Ryan Johnson wrote wrote that um, Blank speaks with a subtle Southern accent, which makes me think that Ryan Johnson doesn't know what subtle means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know when <laughs> when Daniel Craig uh, did that accent. He was like, "Yes, great, brilliant. We're going with that." <laughs> um, well, you go. But what what I was going to say about this moment in particular is that it's also bollocks, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is, I think it's like a character flaw quirk of his that actually can't help but to be quite interfering. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I think that's a bit to do with uh, the piano as well and why Mm. that is such a good way of introducing the character at the beginning he he actually cannot help but be more than a passive observer and he very quickly now becomes uh much more than an observer 
Uh, yeah, one of the things I think we'll get to later uh, that they're talking about when defining his character is that originally uh, Ryan Johnson had him with like a laundry list of like foibles and quirks and realized that they just made him more annoying and less realistic. Mm-hmm. So they just got trimmed out as time went by. But yeah, I, I completely agree. He cannot help but stick his beak in. And he right. does it a whole bunch of times in the movie as well. Yeah. I offhand I've just thought of three other times when he does it. So mm. <laughs> uh, so let's let's go let's go back to that accent a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Daniel Craig went away to research the accent on his own. So that's where the subtle thing vanished. Right. And uh he settled on Shelby Foote, who's a historian with a Mississippi accent. Ryan Johnson describes the accent as foghorn leghorn by way of Harlan Pepper. <laughs> right, yeah, there's something very old-fashioned about mm. the sound of the accent, which really works for the character. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he certainly doesn't look like that's going to be his accent when he speaks. Um, no. Um, we, um, I, I don't know who Harlan Pepper is personally, right? Um, but he's played... He, He's Christopher Guest's character on uh, Best in Show, right? And right. Uh, Christopher Guest is Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Oh, it all it all ties together. That's another link on the deduction board. Okay, I I guess. Um, yeah. When like I did not know that he was gonna have such a pronounced Southern drawl when he started speaking, and um. I I nearly shat myself in the cinema when he did. <laughs> and I like I think one of the first things that popped into my mind was um if at any point in this movie he says I do declare I am going to have an actual heart attack. I am going to drop <laughs> drop dead on the spot. It's just so good though. <laughs> it, I, it, I love it. It is. Oh, but secretly secretly I, I like that this is carrying on a, a storied tradition of film, which is getting a James Bond actor to play a role which has an accent that's not their own, and maybe they can't do as well as <laughs> <laughs> because you've you've got Sean Connery, who's um, the fucking Marco Ramius from um, the Hunt for Red October. Mm. Like he's. He he is the most Scottish, um, yeah. like sub Russian submarine captain. You'll ever Shona operator, one ping only. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I suppose with Benoit Blanc, is his accent is so kind of weirdly out of time and old fashioned, and mm. uh, as well as kind of being this uh, southern accent that I can't tell whether it's like a badly done accent or yeah. just like an unusual accent and uh, yes exactly uh, and the line is very blurred there i just <laughs> i just think that it's really full of character and and, mm. and really get into it yeah it it is a delight i mean i mean he, and he is he is like an old fashioned kind of guy i mean like like we've already had him described as the last of the gentleman slews right. but he um he tends to wear like suspenders braces you know <laughs> right <laughs> that have been out of general style for a long time but daniel craig can pull off because daniel craig probably looks great in anything you know what i mean <laughs> mm. um oh, should we get back to the podcast i guess <laughs> i suppose so his accent has derailed us um Oh, uh, um, Blank asks about Marta, and we see her in flashback. Richard says she was like part of the family. Um, in um, in in the flashback, he cheerily calls her over, and they all toast her. Um, that right. that memory is going to be re-examined. Um. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I remember what that's about, and so yeah, we'll see. We'll see that moment recast as being the much more awkward oh yeah i i i I just love how it quickly passes like so you wouldn't really notice it except on like a second watching where he's just like come over and she's like yeah and then they all raise their glasses and that is Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um richard says uh, she was a good friend to harlan that her family is from paraguay Mm. and linda likes her work ethic um 
So, listeners at home, keep track of where Marta is from, because that's the second one, I think. We, we, we had, was it Uruguay before? Yeah. Now it's Paraguay. It's just, like, that that comment as well, like, mm. you're just starting to put put together a picture of what the family's kind of attitude uh, yeah. uh, are now, and just the idea of just kind of defining someone by their work. Oh, yeah. Is really kind of... And where they're from. Yeah. Uh, incorrectly where they're from, presumably. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, my note, next note is uh, where Marta is from changes about five times throughout the film with her never actually confirming anything. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, interestingly, uh, Marta is born in America, so she's American. <laughs> mm. um, Richard digresses with Trooper Wagner about Hamilton. <laughs> Uh, have oh, you yeah. have have you seen Hamilton, Peter? I haven't actually yet seen Hamilton. No, me no. neither. Um, I, I mean, I I like musicals, but um, I don't know how I'm going to feel about a musical about some American people. That, oh, that sounds that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an American history thing. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> Is that relevant? Do I need to know that? I don't know. Uh, listeners, if you think I'm a bigger writing, no, don't please don't. Um, if 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 anyone is less <laughs> equipped to examine the part of this uh, film where they talk about Hamilton, it's us two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Ryan Johnson is a big fan of Hamilton. Uh, the thing that Richard says here, where he says he saw it at the public, is a is a gag, um, uh, which we didn't get because we don't know that much about Hamilton. Mm. Um, it was where it was first shown, and uh, a friend of Ryan Johnson's saw it there and wouldn't stop talking to him about it until he went to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blanc expresses to Linda, as a self-made man himself, his respect for the whole family as entrepreneurs, and she expresses doubt that Walt did anything for himself except sell the books Harlan wrote for him. <laughs> um. Blunk seems surprised uh, that he doesn't manage merchandising and TV adaptations, and Linda says that she won't be baited into talking shit about her baby brother, even though she literally just did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the the preceding line to this is her putting him down about, you know, uh, Walt doesn't really do anything. Harlan just hands him a book twice a year and he publishes it. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Hang on. Uh. And again, here we cut immediately to Richard saying that Walt doesn't run shit. Yeah, and the thing about this series of moments, I guess, is that uh, Blanc is just extremely good at just stirring up shit and getting people to talk. Yeah, it seems like polite questions, and this whole bit has definite for me shades of Columbo. Oh, oh, yeah. In, <laughs> yeah. in its entirety, basically. Oh, boy, yeah. And um, there's a... Um, there's an amazing reaction from Blanc here where, um, like, Richard says, Walt doesn't run shit, and then he says, Harlan wouldn't allow any adaptations of his work, which uh, made Walt angry, because that's where the money is in, you know, merchandising and advertising. Yeah. And... TV shows and things like that, and Blanc goes, "No, and I'm like, yeah, come on, <laughs> yes, he 100 knew this already." <laughs> <laughs> um, this specific cut here, where Linda's saying she won't be baited into talk into him talking shit about a baby brother, and then Rick, Richard is suddenly saying he doesn't run shit. Uh, they went through in the edit suite frame by frame to find the best spot to cut between the two scenes. <laughs> So she's literally in the middle of a word, <laughs> and then it drops into Richard saying. I often think that editing for comic effect must be a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, you got to have the material to work with, though, I guess, as well, because yeah. uh, you... Oh. Uh, do you know what? I, I had an example of this uh, just yesternight, where I was carefully, carefully editing you know the background music from that sad tragic game we were talking about uh to interpose the the song <laughs> just the right moment i'm being a bit oblique because we haven't done a spoiler warning but <laughs> oh right yeah <laughs> yeah so that that was my example of of uh, you know careful editing for comedy <laughs> 
Uh, some sort of expert now. <laughs> yeah, 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 I am. I am. <laughs> um, Richard remembers Walt having a go at Harlan party about it until Harlan said something which left Walt like a wounded puppy for the rest of the night. Ooh. In detective circles, this is what we call a motive. Yes. Mm. Um, we, uh, we cut to Richard, who denies it, saying that he spoke to Harlan. Um, in a flashback, we see a drunken Walt talking to Harlan about Netflix, and Harlan kindly tells Walt that they're not our books, son, they're my books, and that this isn't how he wanted to have this conversation, but, and then we end. Uh, that's where, that's where we cut for eight minutes of this show. Oh boy, it's like a real, (laughs) a real cliffhanger this time. Yeah, again, not a very clean cut. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, maybe this movie is the one where my carefully designed cinematic algorithm has failed. Um, <laughs> as I believe, as we've said before, I just I just picked a number at random. Uh, <laughs> yep, I just I, I was like, what's a number that's nice? Eight. <laughs> Eight is a nice number. It is. Oh god, it's yeah, it's not a it's not a number that makes you feel scared. <laughs> <laughs> that's a reference that listeners won't get to, won't won't get. That's that's excellent podcasting material. Listeners, if you know what numbers make you scared, write in. <laughs> and we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> um Oh god. Um it's one one little fact to take us to the bridge. Um Ryan Johnson didn't want to, so they only co- they didn't get any coverage for this scene. So, which means that basically they just filmed it from one angle with one camera, um, you know, a couple of takes, and they didn't do it like lots of different ones because he was like, I don't want, I didn't want to give myself, you know, the ability to go back and edit this to like change what, like, mix up what these two guys are saying because the performance was so good, mm. and uh, yeah he again you, you sort of get harlan saying to his son like you know they're they're not our books they're my books and um i think the listeners are probably going to be able to put together what what follows that <laughs> for the start right. of the next episode i think that's fair to say mm. so the post show bit mm. Mm. so peter the questions if you were seeing this for the first time who do you think the murder is, and how did they done it? How did they done it? Well, I think my um, my answer is going to remain the same. Um, I'm going to stick with uh, Linda for now, and uh, the, but with more reasons now. So she is obviously the person at the moment who seems awfully keen to establish. She makes a couple of comments to the, to the effect that she that makes it seem like she's uncomfortable with this whole process starting up again. And she wants it to just to be confirmed that it was suicide. And that's that. Uh, And that makes me uh, in theory, at least suspicious of her motives. Mm. And, um, and what, what happens next? What's, what's the next thing that happens? I think I kind of spoiled this a little bit by saying, um, but but what what happens next? Well, rest assured, I was going to say that Harlan is going to talk about how he is going, basically firing Walt essentially yeah. uh, from the publishing business, so that he can go off and do his own things. And uh, th- th- he's going to frame it in a way that he he's been too controlling of Walt's destiny, and it's uh, it's time that he gets to do his own thing. He's been holding him back from doing that, and right. uh, and Walt's not going to take that well. And uh, anything else you can remember? You've got eight whole minutes after all. Uh, well, I think that we're getting close uh, to the time that we're going to start uh, to introduce Marta now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. I was going to say, uh, you you said, you know, oh, oh, rest assured, I was going to say this, but um, but how can we trust a man who not only cheats at Connect Four, but but he cheats at podcasting by going to to the Wikipedia article about Knives Out and reading it thoroughly, thoroughly studying and digesting it ahead of the show, 
as you have been proven to do before this court. <laughs> it's, do I have it's... to go to the break room? <laughs> no, we have to stop dropping <laughs> references to something that we haven't spoken about on the podcast. Spoiler, um, we might be talking about a television show next podcast. Uh, listeners, go go and watch Severance, it's good. <laughs> yeah, if you could have had watched that before the next podcast, then it'll make it easier for us to talk spoilers. Yeah, I, I, just talking around it. <laughs> I, I like how this this one was uh, this this episode was even more you know um, wanky than they usually are from the point of view of like weird in jokes that don't make sense to the listeners. Great. Yes, we're what, what did we're you call it? The ho- self indulgence. <laughs> the uh, the hostile listening experience. <laughs> yeah, the the hostile listening environment that we um, we project here, and also just. The layers of <laughs> inside talk that uh, that makes it utterly uh, impenetrable. Yeah. Like, even if you had joined us at uh, at this stage, there's no chance of understanding anything that we're saying, <laughs> just because it's wheels within wheels. James, sir, burn some mum. <laughs> what well, um. What are you thinking of the film so far? You're 16 minutes in. Well, um, I, well, you know, you said something before uh, before you we were recording, uh, which is that you can't help but get into it, right? And, and mm. feel uh, like you want to carry on watching it. And we keep on, I think both of us keep on forgetting that, that we <laughs> we have a thing to record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, both both times we've done this so far, I've just been sitting there going, "Yeah, I'm watching my favorite movie," and I'm like, "Oh, why did it stop?" And then I'm like, "Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, we have to. <laughs> yes, we're researching a now. show. <laughs> yes, um, it's just really engaging. All mm. of the performances are so good. Mm. Just the the writing is so great, and just the the whole setup of it is 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 it's done in a really fun way that uh, it's almost it, it's almost like i forget each time that i haven't seen it for a while just how much i enjoy the little details of uh, of what they put in this mm. and uh, i can't help but be drawn in each time um yeah i i i definitely agree um there's just something about like like a mystery hook that like latches onto me and i'm like mm, yeah yeah i'm going to i'm going to watch this now um mm-hmm. uh i had to watch knives out about uh, yeah it is called knives out sorry i i thought oh it's called knives 8 and i'm like no that's that's the title of the show mm-hmm. um yeah you know, like i had to watch knives out about 10 times while while um uh preparing for this podcast and like that was it for for then i was like boy who huh, done with that film for a while and now every time we're putting it back on to like re- re-review it, i'm like i could watch knives out <laughs> <laughs> it's it's rapidly become one of my default movies where if i um you know if i if i've got two hours and i'm like what can i watch it's like mm, yeah knives out okay fine yeah <laughs> i i'm actively annoyed that because of my own self-imposed rules i'm not going to be able to watch this all the way through until we're done <laughs> with recording this podcast yeah so we better we better tick through it quickly yeah um so uh listeners at home uh once again we apologize for this podcast in general uh, and <laughs> if you have any questions or comments you can email us at podcast at eight minute movies.co.uk and um uh, oh, um, oh, next next week, next week I'll read out the PO box address, and you can you, you can post us things. <laughs> oh God, this uh, is Pandora's mm. PO box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you like the show, listeners, a great thing you can do for us is uh, tell a friend about the show, um, force them to listen to it at um, at pencil point no, um, or just leave a comment. Where you're listening to this, and uh, and that that will that will drive the hashtag engagement for the hashtag algorithm, and um and then we will be famous podcasters, and uh we can you know form more complicated parasocial relationships with you. Hooray! Um, <laughs> I feel like 
I feel like when doing the outros of this podcast, I keep saying the quiet bit loud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can do next week's outro. <laughs> Seems like uh, a burden. Yeah, if if you like the show, tell a friend. There you go. That that's that's short and sweet. So uh, where where can you to be found on the internet? Um. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number. But, you know, don't bother me. You know, hashtag uh, hostile <laughs> environment. And, um, and according to UrbanDictionary.com, a cheever is a, a male sexual organ or, or a female sexual organ. O- okay. Yeah. That's um, you should, we shouldn't have said it so much earlier in the show. Yeah, um, I'm I'm Kieran J Walsh on Twitter. Good good night, good night, listeners. Good night, good night, goodbye.